This morning we're in Luke chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses 14 through 21. I can't express the joy that it brings to my heart when a brother or sister comes to me, they've been away for a while, sick, traveling. I've expressed this to you oftentimes. It seems that when we go away on trips for vacation for a long period of time, I just get down to that couple of days before we're going to return, I just I start looking forward. Oh, I can't wait to get back. I can't wait to get back and go to church. I, I need to hear about my Savior. I just, I, I've missed it. And when one of my brothers and sisters comes to me and says, man, it's so good to be back. I have just been, you know, I've, James came, he was one of the last ones came to me. Remember he was sick with the, with the yeah. COVID for like the fourth time. Old COVID magnet over here. <laughs> he comes to me and he says, you know, going through the sicknesses has been a real pain. Yeah, but the worst part about it is that I've been away from the church. Yep. Yeah. I, I need to be here. Can I come even if I'm sick? Sure you can. You just sit back over there on the way back over there and don't touch anything. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, well tell the ladies so they can move forward a little bit more or whoever you know I was, I was talking about this or I was reading something on this the other day and somebody was mentioning he says, you know folks this is a big room there's very few people in this room right now there's all kinds of space we can put somebody sick back in the corner and make sure that they don't give it away to anybody else you gotta be, if you got to be what the Lord has preached come I'd understand it completely. Come. It blesses my heart when people come to me and say, I need to hear the Word of God. Been away traveling for a bit. An maybe an illness has kept me from attending services. Or maybe work. There are some who attend when they can because they have to work. Whatever might be keeping them away, it's a blessing when they come and say, I need to hear the Word of God. It's a blessing because I feel the same way. I cannot understand one who claims to have experienced God's grace in saving them and not being troubled by being away from the Word of God. I just don't understand it. I don't understand how that, how that can be. How can you not be around the Word of God when you know and have experienced His grace in saving a wretch like you? See, that's God's people. We're all wretches. And we know it. Just look at the inside of my heart. And you can see it. I'm thankful you can't. I'm thankful she can't. I'm thankful there's only one who can. And because of what he has done, he doesn't even see it anymore. He says, he says my sins are remembered no more. Isn't that amazing? He knows everything. 
knows everything. He knew everything before anything was ever created. Is that not God, the God of Scriptures? That's, that's what it tells us in God's Word, isn't it? He knows all things. Yet He remembers my sins and your sins if you are in His Son, in the Lord Jesus Christ, no more. Whew. That's some deep stuff. That's, get, that's a, that guy who's flapping around on top of the pond, who's not getting deep enough into God's Word, I'm telling you, that's going deep. That's going deep, so deep that we don't even understand the depth of our Lord's love for us. That He can look upon me and not see my sin, but see the blood of His Son. It's even more amazing that He can look upon His Son and see that that sin, not just the one, but all of our sins are paid for by His blood. Amen. He who knew no sin was made sin, that you and I would be made the righteousness of God in Him. When Kathy and I travel on vacation where there's no meeting of God's true saints, we earnestly miss the coming together and the worshiping of God's, with God's people. We begin to thirst. It's like going out... <clears throat> without any water for a period of time. And when we return, oh, the taste. It's like taking a cold glass of water, sitting with God's people. Mm. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good water, as long as you don't take it from our well. It's the feeling you have when you have a nice cold drink of water. Do you have the same experience when you're gone? Do you experience that same feeling when you're away from the Word of God? Do you thirst for God's Word after being away for a time? If you do, you may want to examine the faith that you have in Jesus Christ our Lord. You should be examining it anyway. But you may even want to more. Our greatest example to follow in this life we tread stands right before us here in Luke chapter 4. Look with me, if you would, at verses 14 through 16. Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame, a report. He was, he was, he was, uh, producing miracle after miracle after miracle. So many miracles that you couldn't fill all the books of the world at that time with. His name was going out through with great fame. He went out of a fame of him through with all the region around about. Verse 15, And he taught in the synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for a read. Our greatest example to follow in this life, in this life that we tread, walking through this valley of the shadow of death, because that's what it is. It's death to those who are reprobates. We deserve it to be our death. But because Christ shed his own blood for us, it's nothing more than a shadow of death. 
All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. I shall no as cast out those who come to me. You cannot be plucked out of God's hands. Nobody has the power to take you out of God's hands. People like to use the phrase, once saved, always saved. The true phrase is this. God's people have always been saved. Our names were written in the book of life before the world was ever created. God looked down through time and he saw each one of his people and says, I'll come to that one then, I'll come to this one then, I'll come to that one right then. Why? Because it pleased the Lord to do so. It pleased the Lord to come to John Reeves sitting in that pew when he came here the day to cry on his brother's shoulder. And God used a man standing in this very pulpit to say, you're mine. To shine the light of grace in my heart through the preaching of his word. As his custom was. Our Messiah, our Deliverer, the Creator of all things, as we read in John chapter 1, verse 3, was accustomed to attending services. He was accustomed to, to attending the worship hour. He was found in the synagogue on the Sabbath day reading God's Word. We just recently read about another who regularly was found where God's people gathered to worship. Turn back, if you would, to Luke chapter 2. Let's read it again. Read Luke chapter 2. Just a couple of pages back. In Luke chapter 2, verse 25, we read this, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout. Now we know the only way any man outside of Christ is just is to be in Christ. And it says he was devout. He was devoted to coming to the worship place where God's people worship. He was waiting, as it says in that verse, for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Where was he going to see the Lord's Christ? But in the church. In the synagogue where God's people worship. He didn't go out to some tree somewhere and sit underneath the tree and, and worship some whatever it was in his mind there. He went to where God's people were. God drew him there by the Spirit just as He has drawn each and every one of us. Just as He drew John Reeves to come here that day and cry to his brother. came by the Spirit in the temple. And when the parents of the child brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law was, then took he, then took Simeon up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thine eyes. Thy word, mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Where did he see it? He saw it in the place of worship. Where was Jesus Christ our Lord over here in Luke 4? He was in the synagogue as his custom was. Back in our text in 4, 
And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. What was he doing? He was reading God's Word. It was customary for men to stand up and read from the, from the Bible, from the Old Testament scrolls. And we know what they read about. Our Lord told two men on the road to Emmaus everything there was to know about Himself in, from Moses all the way through the prophets. He expounded unto them the things that concerning Himself, as it says in Luke chapter 24. Now our Savior was not like us in the way of spiritual needs. He was in the ways of the flesh. He lacked nothing spiritually, though. You and I lack much. We, we lack, physic, lack much physically. We lack everything spiritually. Christ being 100% man, He needed food. He needed water. He needed rest to sustain the flesh. But as 100% God, He lacked nothing spiritually. Christ Jesus was God in the flesh, folks. The Spirit of God was always upon Him. Let me repeat that. The Spirit of God was always upon Him for three or one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are all of one mind, of one purpose, three distinct persons, absolutely. Yet all the fullness of the Godhead could be seen in the one face of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, when you have seen me, you've seen the Father. He lacked nothing spiritually, yet he was found as his custom was in the place of worship. You and I are weak in the flesh and in the spirit and in faith. To spend much time away for us is to deprive our spirit of nourishment. Our spirit becomes dry and is weakened as our bodies would be if we deprived ourselves of water and food. Old story, I, th I think Henry Mahan was the one who uh, I think I remember somebody going back and somebody said this, somebody said it, sorry, and I think it led back to actually Henry Mann, and he heard from somebody else. There was a man who was attending services at every service there was, Wednesday night, Friday night, Sunday three times. He attended all the services, and for some reason one day he just stopped. And after some time had gone by, the pastor went over to the man's house. Knocked on the door. He answered the door. They didn't say many words to each other. Maybe just come in, sit down. He came in, sit down, and there was a fire going in the fireplace. And they looked at it, and they looked at it, and just sat there and stared at the fire. And after a moment or two, the pastor reached in with a pair of tongs, and he pulled out a piece of coal. And he set it on the hearth, on the, on the rocks over here, away from the fire. And as he sat there watching it, the coal began to get dark. Very dark. After a few moments, the pastor reached over, picked that coal back up and put it back in the fire, and soon it was full of flames again. He got up without saying a word, went to walk out the door and the man said, I got your message. I got your message. Do you ever feel like that? 
you ever feel like your coal's going a little chilly? Come to the Word of God as often as you can. As often as you can. We're weak in the flesh and in the spirit. We spend much time away and we deprive our spirit of nourishment. Just as our bodies are weakened at the deprivation of food and water, so is our spirit. Look with me, if you would, over 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Our subject matter is as his custom was. I want to know something. Is it your custom? Can you call it your custom? To be where the word of God is preached? Look with me, if you would, at 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, destroyed. What manner, that's speaking of all the things of the world, the elements shall melt, the fervent heat, the earth also, and all the works that are therein shall be burned up, in verse 10. Seeing then what these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation? That word conversation means living. That means your walk and godliness. Verse 12. Look for the hasty. Look, for the, look with an earnest desire unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt in fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent, be careful, be earnest, that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless, not in your own works, but be found of him in peace with Christ, without spot, in Christ, blameless, in Christ. Verse 15, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Verse 16, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, which is in, are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things, before beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. Now I want you to understand something. What that just said is not being falling into the depths of hell. Our Lord Jesus paid the price and went to the depths of the hell for us. This is talking about stumbling and being weak in our walk with God. That's talking about having that cold that gets a little cold. How do we get it fired back up again? What's our custom? Is it our custom to come before God with His people at the time of hour and worship? 
Seeing you know these things before, beware. Beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace, verse 18, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How do we, how do we keep from falling into that error? How do we protect ourselves? What can we do not to fall into that error of being led away with the error of the wicked and fall from our own steadfastness? Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. How can I grow in grace and in the knowledge of my Savior? Our Lord shows us as His custom was. Look over Romans chapter 10. Look over Romans chapter 10. As his custom was, grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. How? How can I do that? Our Lord chose the foolishness of preaching to strengthen to save the foolishness of preaching to shine his gospel in the hearts of his believers. Look over here at chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe of in him whom they have not heard. How then how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh. How? You see that? How does faith come? How are we going to grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and in His knowledge of Him? Are we going to learn it? Are we going to grow by going out and sitting under a tree? Praying in a closet by ourselves? Faith cometh by hearing and what? And the hearing by the word of of God. What was Christ doing? He was standing in the synagogue on the day appointed for worship and he was reading his word. <laughs> what are we doing right now? We're doing exactly that. We're gathering together in the name of our Savior. Where two or more are gathered, he is in our midst. That's what his word says. Teaching us teaching us what we need to do, teaching us how we need to walk, teaching us who it is we're to look to. Not here. To Him. To our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. Has God given you a desire to grow in His grace? Has He given you a desire to know more about the Savior? We sang this song let me read it for you. We sang this for our opening hymn in Bible study. 
Let me read these words. Hear the words. Oh, how I pray you hear with the ears of the heart. More about Jesus would I know. More of His grace to others show. More of His saving fullness see. More of His love who died for me. More about Jesus let me learn. More of His holy will discern. Spirit of God, my teacher be, showing the things of Christ to me. More about Jesus in his word, holding communion with my Lord, hearing his voice in every line, making each faithful saying, mine. More about Jesus on his throne, riches and glory, all his own. More his kingdom sure increase. More of his coming. Prince of peace. Does that resonate with you? Do those words ring in your heart? One of the most blessed aspects of our public worship is the reading of Holy Scripture. You ever wonder why, I know I made a few comments today, but usually we try very, usually very rarely do I make any comments during reading Scripture. I want God to be your teacher in that. I want you to read God's Word. Maybe He'll inspire a question. Exactly what you brought up sitting over there between services. God inspired that question to you reading His Word. Even, our most, even in our most degenerate times, we need to read with great reverence the Word of God. Great emphasis was given to us through the reading of the Holy Scriptures. Back in our text in Romans chapter, or I mean in Luke chapter 4, four. look with me again at verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Now read with me, if you would, what his response was to that reading. Look at verses 17 through 21. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now remember, in the old days, they came in scrolls. It wasn't in one book like we have here. The, the scroll of Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel, the good news, to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance 
to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began to say unto them, this day, this scripture, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Christ is declaring the prophecy of Isaiah was fulfilled right then by him. Our Lord fulfills everything. Everything prophesied in the old scriptures about himself is being fulfilled by himself. The message spoken of by the prophet Isaiah was preached. No mere man can speak to the hearts of men, but we do bring the good news, we bring the gospel. And God the Spirit uses that sinner who stands in the pulpit to speak, and then He applies the Word to His people's hearts. In this case, Christ is the speaker as well as the amplifier, as well as the applier, I'm sorry. And our Lord fulfilled the Word spoken of right there, right then. He was anointed by God Almighty to preach the good news to the poor at heart. The Apostle Paul told the young pastor Timothy to give attendance to reading scriptures. He said he was exhorting to the saints and teaching of the doctrines of the gospel. He said this in 1 Timothy 4.13. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Now the scripture that we just read that the Lord is referring to there is over in Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2. And I'll read it for you just so you can see it's almost word for word for what Christ says. The Spirit of, God, of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. That's the gospel. The good news, good tidings. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captives, and to open to the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. And our master was a man and as a man, a preacher, anointed by the works of his father, he prepared for the work by a special gift of his spirit. And I want to bring before you three things preaching, true preaching requires and, this is, and think about what we just read from our Lord and Savior, and you'll see where it applies to this. It says the Spirit of God. You must have the Spirit of God in order to preach God's Word. If I just stand here before you and read God's Word, folks, there are thousands and thousands of men and women who are doing that very thing today, at this very hour, probably within a couple of miles of here that are reading God's Word and preaching without the Spirit of God. That's where free willism comes in. That's how men interpret three verses out of Scripture about God does not desire to lose any, and they'll take that as any of the whole world, 
When what it really means, if you take it into the whole counsel of God, it means he won't, lose, he won't lose any of his chosen people. He won't lose any for whom he paid the price on the cross for. It means that who he paid the price for on that cross shall come to him. Isn't that what God's word says? All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Is that not God's word? The Spirit of God is not with you. You are not preaching the gospel. Then it also says that the, the second one is the anointed, the anointing of God. If God has not anointed a man to stand in the pulpit and preach his word, that man will preach anything else but God's word. How else could you not explain for a thousand different religions all preaching something that they call the word of God? And then thirdly, the message must be of God. Paul says, I wish to know nothing of you save Christ and Him crucified. Why is that? Because anything else can be interpreted into works. When we preach Christ and Him crucified as the sovereign God of all creation who laid down His life, shed His blood, it's a perfect message that cannot be misinterpreted. It can, it can be ignored. It could be said, well, I don't believe that. That was the message that was given to the Jews. And what did the Jews do? They got angry and hung our Lord on a cross for it. We're going to look at that next week. Part two of this message is the response from the people when God's Word is preached. Our Master was more than just a preacher, though. He is our Savior. We preach what he did. He preached what himself was going to perform. This is why he said, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Because he was the one who was fulfilling it. I tell you what he's done. He's telling the people, I'm doing it. He preached the gospel, glad tidings and good news. He didn't give good advice. He preached the gospel of who it was that would save his people. Not like most pulpits today, modern preaching is nothing more than advice given to sinners. If you just do this, if you'll start acting like this, if you'll get in the waters of baptism, if you'll worship on Saturday, if you'll go in a box and tell that guy what you've done wrong, telling dead sinners what they must do. Folks, the gospel of Christ is a proclamation of grace. It's the good news telling poor sinners what Christ has done. Our Savior preached the gospel to the poor, it says. That word poor means meek. Not one person that ever walked this earth became meek on their own. Even I'm sorry if this offends you, but even that little meek woman who did all the nice things for all the poor people, that Catholic woman, Sister Teresa. Teresa. Folks, we must be made meek. We must be brought to understand our standing before God. If you think you have something before God, 
even if it's your works and what you're doing, the good works that you're doing for the poor, it's worthless. Unless it's God in you doing it. He preached the gospel to the poor. These poor sinners that he was preaching to who were broken before God. God had to break their hearts that they would understand they needed a Savior. Knowing that they had nothing to offer a holy Lord and they had no ability to produce anything that He might accept from them. These poor were meek and humbled and broken in the weight of sin and the weight of guilt upon their conscience before God's glorious holiness. The Lord Jesus Christ heals he binds up the brokenhearted. He makes blind eyes to see. He gives comfort to the liberty and liberty to the bruised souls. The Son of God opens the prison doors of those who are captive by their, their uh, natural... All this grace that He pours out to sinners upon the basis is upon the basis of His justice satisfied. Satisfied by His blood atonement, he was proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord, the day God's righteousness, His vengeance, and justice for His people would be satisfied at Calvary. That's what He was proclaiming, the, the year of the Lord, the day of the Lord. It's coming. Remember what He told His disciples? He goes, we must go up to Jerusalem. And this is what we're going to do. And the Jews are going to persecute me. They're going to beat me. They're going to do all this stuff to me. And then they're going to hang me on a tree. He wasn't bashful about what He came here for. Everything the Lord Jesus preached was about Himself and what He was here for. To save His people. To save you and I. It says then in Luke 4, 20-21 And He closed the book and He gave it again to the minister and He sat down in the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fashioning on him, and he began to say unto them, This day the scriptures are fulfilled in your ears. Our Lord fulfilled the message. He is the message. He is this message of all holy scripture. He was the fulfillment of this passage, as it said in Isaiah 61, and just as he is the fulfillment of all Old Testament writings. He fulfilled all the law. Where you and I could fill, fulfill none of it, He fulfilled it all. He fulfilled everything that the prophets said about Him. He fulfilled all the types that were given about Him. The death, the, 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 uh, uh, the covering of Adam and Eve in the garden with the skin of an animal, that was a picture, that was a type of our Lord and Savior when our Lord would lay down His life and cover you and I with His righteousness, with His robes. Our Lord fulfilled all the Psalms. He fulfilled all the Proverbs. He fulfills all the history of the Old Testament. And He speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we find the fulfillment in Him. After our Lord had gone to the cross and died in our stead and was risen to the victory over death, He gives us these words in Luke 24, 27, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, 
he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Where do you learn? Where do you grow in grace and the knowledge of our Savior? In the meeting place where God has determined for us to meet. Brother Don Fortner wrote this. He says, In a word, God gave faith to His chosen in the Old Testament just as He gives you and I faith. By supernatural revelation. We do not just become smarter one day. Our Lord must reveal His word to us. He reveals His word to His chosen sinners. Look at, look, look at Hebrews 11 sometime in your, own, in your own time. The revelation in the Old Testament was just as clear as it is to you and I in today's world. It says in Romans 10 and 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. What grace for God to reveal His word of truth to us. You know He didn't have to, right? As a child of God, I know... My Lord, if He had given me all that I deserve, I would go through that door marked death and spend it in eternity in hell. And I would have deserved it. I had earned it. Yet by His grace, my Savior took it for me. For God to reveal His truth to us, He could have just left us to ourselves as others, yet God has loved the people, a people chosen, from the world, before the world were made, a people chosen to be the recipients of His love through the cross of His Christ to be recipients of His mercy. Look with me one more place, if you would. We were reading it today, if you would, over in Romans chapter 9. Turn over to Romans chapter 9. Look with me, if you would, at verses 21 through 23. Hath not the potter power over the clay? of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God willing to show His wrath and to make His power known endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? And that He might make known the riches of His glory on the vessels of mercy which He had afore prepared unto glory. Lord willing, we'll look at those words in a little more detail in next Sunday's Bible study. But for now, I want to take this with you. I want you to take this with you as you go out into your week walking in this world. What is your custom? What is your custom? If it's being with the saints of God at the hour of worship, reading the Word of God, I pray these words fit you in experience. Vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. Amen.